Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Hello and welcome. My name is Mike Aaronworth, signing on to the sign-off of Frameworth Podcast for yet another week. It is the forum for all the stories you didn't know you wished you knew about the world of sports and sports marketing. I am joined in studio this week by nobody. It is just me, and it's not at the Frameworth headquarters. I'm recording this from home. Uh, my dad's doing his his typical thing, president of Frameworth Sports Marketing, Brian Aaronworth. He's out for the weekend. He was actually just as of recording last night in Edmonton watching the hockey game. For those of you uh, uh, tracking my dad. There should be an app for that. He's all over the place all the time. Um, a witness, depending on your perspective, the fortunate or unfortunate uh, exit of the playoffs from uh, the Edmonton Oilers or the uh, the moving on of the Colorado Avalanche. So some news there, obviously, in the NHL, uh, but we're not here to talk about sports necessarily, not, not in terms of the goings-on of the NHL, because we have bigger events to talk about uh, this week. Obviously, if you're familiar, these Toronto Sport Card Memorabilia Expo just wrapped up last weekend. Our guest this week is the president and founder of MKEM with experience in event management dating back, well, 20 years or so. If you've ever been to one of the major expos in Toronto, chances are you've seen his work. He recently wrapped up the largest ever Toronto Sport Card Memorabilia Expo, and we're here to find out everything that went down. To do that, we sit down this week with Mikey Singer. Mikey, how are you doing today? Great. A little tired from running the show. It felt like, you know, obviously there's a lot of lead time going up to it, but uh, even just that last week going in, uh, it felt like there was something going on. And as you said, it was the biggest show we've ever done. Yes. Um, so it was it was a real undertaking, a lot of new clients, brand new haul. Uh, and if anyone has been to the Sport Car Memorabilia Expo before, it is a long-running show with a lot of people who feel very strongly about their spot in the show. Yes. So finding everyone uh, a, a new spot in a new hall and making sure they're happy was a task onto itself. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up. And I want to, in a little bit, get into sort of your history in the event space because it's mm-hmm. it's plentiful. Uh, and, and we'll get into that in a little bit about you. But because you've just touched on it, Mikey... Um, you talk about, you know, people and trying to keep them satisfied and all that. A lot of people might hear that and assume that what you're talking about are the the guests who come to the Sport Card Expo. We had Steve Menzi on last week prior to the show, and he talks about how his and this is not a shot to the people who go to the expo, but his primary concern and his primary customer are the people who open up the booths, uh, who, who the dealers there who go to the show. And that's what you're talking about, right? It, making yeah. sure that you're keeping them satisfied with the change to the new hall. Because I, I went, Frameworth had a booth there as well, booth 1620 to 1623. I don't know why beautiful, I'm saying that now. Booth, because beautiful beautiful booth. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful booth. It was, it was right, by the, uh, right by the cafeteria, which was fantastic. Hot dogs all day long. Uh, some spice, uh, some fried chicken sandwiches, which was <laughs> amazing um uh we loved the new space it was mm-hmm. easy to understand easy to, to get a grasp of uh what did you think about it and what what sort of response did you get from the dealers at the show uh for most of the dealers they loved it they thought it was a great space um and for the dealers there's two things that are really important to them mm-hmm. the dealer to dealer interactions and sales so I think a lot of people don't understand how much business is done prior to the show ever opening, okay. just between the dealers to themselves, and obviously the amount of people that we have in. And so we did have a really good turnout this year. You were there, you saw it. It was an excellent, one of our best Fridays of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the weekend, we had a, a really great turnout in terms of the crowd. And for the most part, the dealers did really well. Now depending on what kind of dealer you are, you may not have had as great a show as you've had in the past. And that might've been location. That might've been what you brought in. Um, it might've been, you know, you brought in a sport or a specific type of card that wasn't really hot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, the market has shifted. It wasn't like we were in November where literally everything was up and it was all time highs. People are a little bit more savvy. Um, there's a lot of new people who've entered into the space, so they know a little, um, you know, they've matured a little bit over the last two years. Um, and when I say entered into the space, I mean, during the pandemic, we sure. had a, a big uptick. So uh, a more savvy customer, people looking for deals, people, you know, hunting out, they are armed with more information than ever. Not to get too minute into the to no the minute is what we do here actually. Yeah, and I want yeah. I want to ask you a question about that because I noticed this as well. Yes, the industry has expanded. 
like twofold since the start of the yeah. pandemic. A lot of people thought it would go the other way, but it turns out collectibles in a recession are like razor blades and lipstick, like things that just do not go down in value. In fact, they increased in value so much so that the number of dealers had increased and the number of guests and and customers uh, and user customers, collectors had increased as well. That created in my mind, maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't, a chasm between the savvy and the novice. And I know of one situation where someone came to the booth wanting to buy one of Frameworth's mystery boxes, which we offer. It's it's a guaranteed signed jersey, signed photo, signed puck in every box. You just don't know which ones you're going to get. And before he did that, he wanted to see if he could go and sell. He had a whole box of cards to sell told me some of the stuff in it, some signed items, some of the, with the, the little cutouts of the, of the, the Jersey material, some, some decent stuff. And I, I said to him, I said, you're here as a collector, but this is a business to a lot of people. Make sure you shop around, make sure you get some quotes on prices. Don't just sell to the first person, the first booth you go to, because anyone is going to try to get the best price that they can. Like I said, it's a business. He leaves five minutes later, he comes back. He says, man, I expected to get a lot more for those cards, but apparently the industry is really bad right now uh, and it's hard to sell these cards. So I only got a hundred bucks for them. And I said, I'm like, you just got taken for, I didn't say this to him because, you know, he's like, whatever, you know, I made my money, this and that. But did you find that going around the show that there was a, a big difference between some of the newer people and older people? And how did, how was that navigated for the attendance? Well, I think for, for the, incredible amount of new people who've joined the industry, they have much more information and savvy to their fingertips. Right. So um, things like eBay, sold comps, things like that, it's all available for them. Apps like Center Stage, who was at the show, yeah. um, will instantly scan a single and let you know all of the comps on eBay over the last little bit. So there's wow. really quick ways to, to tell. So even if you're novice at this, you can get a good sense if you if you want to do the research. The second part to the sales portion of it, because a lot of vendors are buying, and that was one of the first things, you know, being in the industry for 20 years, um, working in, in a variety of different uh, consumer and trade events, it's really the vendors are selling. They're, they're yeah. very, it's, this is one of the few places and, and a couple other collectible style shows where vendors are actively buying collections and singles and things like that and working for deals. But, you know, what a seller can get on retail, um, so those eBay comps and things like that, you can expect to get 30% less from the retailer. Right. Uh, understanding that one, this market is highly volatile, so they're mm -hmm. taking all the risks once they make the purchase. Two, they have overhead, right? right? They are running the store, they have to catalog the inventory, they have to maybe have that inventory or that investment sit on their shelf. I mean, you know, it's no further than like, look at um, Pawn Shop or Pawn Stars sure, or whatever. Sure. What he says is actually true. Like the whole show isn't true. It's all set up and everything <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, some yeah. of his lines about they have overhead, they have staffing costs, everything like that. So a lot of individual in, uh, people who come in to sell don't realize that. And if you could easily get those comp prices on eBay, you would have just done it yourself. Exactly. Right? There's other costs that are involved. There's time commitments and things like that. So um, there's things that people have to take into account. And in terms of, like I said, the, the savvy investor, um, usually those are the people who are coming in on the VIP night. Right? right. Those are the people who are willing to spend the extra money to come in 15 to 20 minutes before understanding that there's a true value to that and having that one on one conversation to make those deals, make those buys because the vendors are there to sell as much as they were they're buying. Um, and, you know, uh, I know I myself am shopping. I picked up a couple cards as as per usual at these shows now. Um, and I'm not afraid to, to haggle a little bit, right? Of like, course. It's part of the game. That's list. absolutely part of the game there. Yeah. And that's one of the things that attendees have to realize, right? Like, don't, one, don't be insulted by any pricing that you see. Right. And don't be afraid to say, okay, you know, I've got, I see that card is... 3500 okay i got 30 i only want to spend 3200 i'm going to tell them i only have 3200 yeah. bucks in my pocket yeah right and, and come in as, as as if you were you know willing to negotiate because again that's the sort of business that we're in with the volatile market um and i think that's always been the case with, with sports cards um it's less so with your company uh given you know what you guys do the framing the everything you really put together custom pieces mm -hmm. uh, where the cards there's a lot more to track like as i said you can go to center stage you can go to uh, 
market movers, you can go to eBay, sold. There's so many different ways to find out a ton of information on the card you're looking at, especially if it's, you know, common or even like silvers and things like that. Um, you can really get some a lot of information at your fingertips, even if you are a novice. I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, there, there's so much to touch on there. And one of the things that eventually I do want to talk about is is the ways in which you uh, had had pivoted in in the scope of COVID. You know, going going to a virtual expo and this and that. But one of the one of the, the the reasons I like to use that as a jumping off point is to touch on the ways in which the industry is changing. Everything you've just said there about, you know, understanding the value of a card and asking around and using these apps and this and that. There's like a dark arts sometimes to card collecting. And I think that's what a lot of people like. I know some people can read, for example, uh, came by the booth, uh, uh, announcer, obviously on Sportsnet, uh, writer, author, et cetera, et cetera. His credentials are uh, a mile long, but he, he came by and he said, he, you know, he's there for himself as a collector and he's yeah. he he kept commenting that too many booths these days are just like they've got everything graded they've got the price tickets this and that he wants to be searching through things to find a buried treasure somewhere and i think as long as the waters are somewhat muddied it gives that intrigue that you may come upon a diamond in the rough at any point in time. Now you talk about these apps that allow you to, to scan a card and, and, and get a, a more broad understanding of what it sells for. And that's sort of the direction that the industry is heading with things like, you know, in, in t- hand in hand with things like a digital expo and a virtual expo and, and this and that. But what I love about the Toronto sport card memorabilia expo in the state that it's currently in is there is an element that embraces the growth, but there is also that feeling of like you can really get in the weeds and try to find some rarities and 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 haggle a little bit and and everything's a little bit muddied and it, it it's comfortable living in there it's like putting on as a lot of people at the expos wear a nice pair of sweatpants it's it's just like this, yeah. this nice little feeling um where do you see then uh the toronto sport card memorabilia expo or expos in general where do you see them in in 10 years you know that that hand-in-hand growth between technology advancements and and trying to keep things traditional well i think there's always going to be the traditional sellers the people who set up they've got their showcases with all the their graded and high-end stuff and those are their their, their glass showcases and then they've got their five ten twenty dollar ungraded boxes where people can flip through complete sets that's always going to be a part of it and what we're seeing now is a huge increase there was a ton of investment in the space and you saw it this year, we had more corporate booths than we've ever had before. So right. I, I touched a little bit on some of those apps that we were talking about. We had eBay have the biggest, nicest booth they've ever had at the show. They're mm-hmm. our title sponsor now. Uh, we had Whatnot come in, in in a pretty decent way. We had Drip come in in a pretty decent way. We had PWCC there in a big way. We had, um, you know, we had... Um, um, CSG, God, that took a while to get out. PSA Canada. Um, There's you know, a lot so of acronyms to remember. There's, there, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's no shot at any of these companies, but at a certain point, it's just a soup of letters, right? It, it is, and, and and that's and what you saw there, um, Liquid Marketplace. Like you had these real fun, interesting booths. Upper Deck always does a great booth. Their booth was fantastic this year. Right. Right. Um, those that kind of stuff goes hand in hand with your mom and pop or or dad and son. I saw and you see that you see a lot of dad and son vendors yep. like the older ones. And now the new ones coming in, you got the 12 year old son there with the 40 year old dad who's got a table set up and they're loving. Yep. Right. Because their version of what a good show is, is far different than a show that, you know, a, a place like yourself that That's is out point. there and does this full time. So there's always going to be a need for that. There's always going to be room. The beautiful thing about the show itself is uh, booths, although have gone up in price, they are still very reasonable to come in and spend yeah. for the weekend, um, uh, honestly. And what's great about the the corporate booths is, you know, Whatnot had a basketball game. Sure. And it was free and people were playing and they were having a good time. Liquid Marketplace did a bunch of giveaways um, all of these add to the the fun of the show. Uh, card plugs and drip had just a giant party inside their booth. Mint Inc. is constantly blasting music. So the industry has changed as much as it has stayed the same with companies like BMW, Canada, uh, BMW uh, Sports Cards still has like amazing vintage stuff. Yep. They're still buying and, and dollies. So there's a nice mix of the new stuff 
always still going to have the old way of doing things. Uh, and, and everyone, I, I mean, the biggest thing is now everyone has cash apps and stuff like that too, oh, yeah. right? Like yeah. it, it's still cash. Oh, but I'll just send you PayPal. Right. right. They, so, um, but it, it is, you know, people aren't slowly embracing the change. And as you said, when we did the, the virtual and, and I, I got to give kudos to Steve, uh, you know, uh, the man is willing to take a risk. You Steve know, being Steve Menzi, our guest from uh, from yes. last week, yeah, and the owner of the Sport Card and Memorabilia right. Expo, um, and and that includes taking a risk on hiring us. You know, he came to my fantasy sports show. He thought what we did was really cool. He, that's why he brought me in originally to the show uh, was to add some of those elements, to add some of that that corporate feel to it, uh, which we have done. And uh, you know, with the stage and and different things that we've done to to upgrade the show overall. And, um, you know, and then we, you know, when it happened in the terms of the pandemic, instead of sitting back like a lot of shows did, um, he was like, okay, let's try this. We found the platform, which was Hopin. We turn now, uh, my company is a certified Hopin agency and we work really closely with them. One of, I think, two in Canada, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and they like us the best too. I'll just, That's, of course. Well, I'm so really good. So I am really good friends with the other agency. Uh, yeah. And I love, I love that one, one of them, one of the owners is, is my neighbor by like four houses. So oh, wow. We're really go. close. We, we, in, we, in we, a, we've partnered on projects and stuff like that. We're, we're more about, but we're just better. We're, we're awesome. In the infinite space of a virtual landscape, you just so happen to be side by side, physical distance. That that's amazing. Uh, let let's use that, I think, a little bit to to talk because you know I, I said we want to get to know a little bit more about you, and and we definitely do. And for the listener, um, selfishly, this is this is a podcast I've been very excited to record because Mikey, you and I have well, first of all, we both got the name Mikey. I mean, what are the yes. chances? Uh, uh, we we've been working together closely uh, since at least 2016 when when uh, Steve uh, bought this. Toronto Sport Card 20, 2018 was the first year. 20, 2018 was the first year that... And that, that's and when P- you own the show, Mike. At that point, you own the show, Mike. We, we yes, uh, I, I took I took over the microphone and I made sure that I constantly had it. That's when Frameworth managed the uh, autograph pavilion uh, mm-hmm. entirely uh, to ourselves. What what an undertaking that was! It was it was intense. Steve mentioned in in the last week, and you've touched on it as well. The shift from just a sales conference, essentially like a sales mm-hmm. expo, to an experiential expo, and you've talked about all the various ways in which some of the the corporate partners and some of the booths have added to that that feeling. Um, but let's let's get into that then. What you brought to the table? Tell us a little bit about yourself, about MKEM, and how you first got involved with uh, Steve Menzi and the Toronto Sport Card Memorabilia Expo. So I've been in the events industry for uh, really since I was 21. And mm-hmm. so 22 years and it started doing parties. Yeah. Um, you know, I started throwing parties when in, in my early 20s um, at different clubs around Toronto. And I did that until I was about 26, 27. I remember the last party I did was a, a New Year's Eve party. And some guy, tried, I had a ton of cash in, in my pocket. I'm not going to go right over it. But some guy tried to start a fight with me. And it was like, I think it was 20,000 or something like that. Oh, no. And I'm like, I am too old for this shit right now. <laughs> so, pulling pulling the uh, uh, Danny Glover comment. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, right? Like, I, this guy's fighting. The, the, the bouncers are, are kicking him out. And then and I got my little sister there who at the time was like 18 19 she would would have been 19 if she was in the party sure um but i was just like this is this is it for me so i i transitioned out of the parties and i i started working at this uh little show called the everything to do a sex show Mm -hmm. and uh i did that for 11 years and i became a part owner in that event we did that across canada for uh, seven different cities and even North America. We touched in, in the States for a little bit unsuccessfully, but we did shoot over there. Sure. Um, it was interesting a great choice show. of words for the everything to do with sex show. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it was honestly, it was a, it was an amazing event. Uh, it yeah. allowed me to be really creative. Uh, we had seven different stages. It was really experiential. Um, really, it was a couples driven event. So we catered to them. We would have date night ideas and things like that. So it, it showed me what we could do. And then when I sold out of that, uh, I went on to start my own company. And the first thing that we did was the fantasy sports show. Uh, so it was great, great events, really good. We didn't have the attendance that we were looking for, uh, but we had great corporate partners. We had Yahoo, DraftKings, uh, OLG, the Argos, 
Um, really fun, cool event. We had VR there when it was still really early in the space. So really cool, fun stuff to do. Just not enough attendees. But Steve had come to the show and he reached out to me in his super cool way. You know, <laughs> calm voice. He's like, oh, I of like course what you did, you know, always calm. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd be totally down to talk. So it was him and this other company that I, I basically started consulting right away for him and, and another uh, video, EGLX. Oh, right. Uh, the, uh, which, uh, which, you know. Video games. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. I know. I know all about it. Yeah. So, of course, like it's video games and sports, but two things I'm really into, like transitioning from fantasy sports. So I uh, started with Steve and then my mandate was to really, you know, help with support on his customers so people like, like his support customers people like you um that first year i helped bring ebay in and that was a start it was a small little package and then really support him on some of those those aspects and then updating the show um i brought in the stage for the first time you know they had the riser before but it wasn't right. really a stage you see what we do now of course um you know so it was really that that push to get uh more modern more fun newer kind of things into the show we are always trying to be creative we brought the games in one time we did lounges so steve's always down to experiment and try new things to make the show better and it's worked um you know one of the things that we were trying to do as you said like it's a lot of sweatpants in the show it was an <laughs> older demographic when we first started coming in so what we've really tried to do is make it more fun and inviting for more families and, and younger people to come and it's not just us but like you having the spinning wheel for 50 bucks like that's yep. awesome i didn't i was sad i didn't get to do it it's one of my favorite things to do <laughs> at the show uh you know the spinning the wheel uh, uh if the listener isn't aware it's a uh it's a randomized you pay 50 dollars to spin the wheel you're guaranteed a signed photo there's also a 60 dollar puck version uh you don't know who you're gonna get but you're gonna land on a signed photo or puck and, and take that home could be Sidney crosby uh or could be a hall of famer you never know you never know but it's always fun it's yes. always and fun loud. We purposely the, yes. make it loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I'll have to say so uh, when we first did the the very first sport card memorabilia expo virtual. Yes. Um, Frameworth again was very innovative. You had brought both those things to the virtual component, and I right. know I bought three bucks. It's great. Great. It was awesome. It was I'll awesome. spin that for you anytime. We did yeah. we did some auctions as well. That was a very exciting thing to be a part of. Uh, and and you know, all credit to you, Mikey, uh, because it was it would have been very easy in the time of COVID to say, look, the world's on pause. We're gonna be on pause. We'll see you guys later. You know, talking to Steve last week about about what that would have meant to the the hundreds of 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 booths and the and the the all the attendees and everything to not allow them to do that twice at least once a year would have been massive. You know, that that's yeah. socially, professionally, it means so much to all these companies who essentially a lot of them do make their living at these events. Uh, it was it was massively important when you told us you were going to be t uh, setting up a, a virtual expo. We wanted to be part of it as well. And we did recognize that, you know, we sort of share that vision between yourself and Steve that it isn't just about buying and selling. If you want to go there and just buy and sell, that totally works. But I think the whole venue benefits from having a little bit more life pumped into it and that virtual expo was no different what was that like you know you talk about partnering with Hopin uh, as as uh, as a way to sort of bolster the ability to put on a virtual expo stress level and and just figuring things out how much time did you have and and what did that do to your uh, your your longevity in terms of your 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 lifespan <laughs> i've definitely over the course of the two years cut off a lot of my lifespan mm -hmm. uh, due to stress but with steve's show i think we had three months from when he said this is a go yeah and and i and one of the things that really it pushed it was ebay coming and that was the first time that ebay came on as a title sponsor so right one of the first things i did was i worked with steve really closely with our, our partners from ebay and they were really into the idea and that really helped push it forward that's big um the next big hurdle was training a very analog crowd 
yes. using yes. how to do digital. And, and special shout outs to Dave Rosen and, and Neil Bernstein, who took the time to get comfortable with the platform and put their best foot forward. Right. Right. And there was a lot. And we did a lot of training demos. We did a lot. It was a learning process for me and my team because the more we trained, the better we got. And people were trying and doing different things. They were being creative. It was really fun. It was it was an exciting time. Mm -hmm. And then the content piece of things was amazing. Mm -hmm. We had better content at the virtual uh, events than we've ever had. We would get experts from any field we wanted. We had um, professional graders on there. Um, we had special guests. Austin Matthews stopped yeah. by. Like that just doesn't happen live because it's really hard to get him and his time. Right. Exactly. So it was cool. Like that was super super stressful. I have the Leafs, his agent, and the Leafs like public relations person calling me while I'm running the show, and I'm like, <laughs> I promise you, we're gonna make this simple. We'll make it easy. Don't worry. Um, so it was really good, and he was really cool about it. And and again, like that content was really good. Obviously, as we go back to, to in person, we even did a full stream last time. And right. we'll likely be, you know, we're always capturing the content that we do on the stage now in in the uh, in person. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start streaming again. I was uh, I was curious that about out. that. I mean, I, almost a little bit surprised because you guys did such a good job building that that virtual platform, and it seems like as an asset, it's there. You've it, proof of concept, like you mentioned. When Steve first announced to all the dealers that that you guys were going to be moving to a virtual platform, my first thought was. I, I know some of these people and I cannot imagine they're going to be willing to set up a webcam, microphone, all that stuff. But they all did. You guys did a phenomenal job of training them. Now they're there. Now they're, they've bought in. I did, I did sort of expect to see a continuation of that and some streaming. And granted, you have your own new slew of issues, especially in the November show, dealing with COVID screening and that, and that sort of thing. This feels like, you know, I, you know, getting your bearings. This was sort of the first normal quote-unquote normal expo again but now you're dealing with a new venue and new size and more people do you guys envision a situation in which the q a's which we'll touch on in a bit the autograph signings live cameras all that sort of stuff are you constantly going to have this outreach to a virtual audience as well is that is that in the cards yes that, that is 100 percent. <laughs> it is important it is something that is going to be addressed moving forward uh the content we're doing on the stage is getting better every single time the q a's yeah. Uh, the panels, the interviews, the kids breaks with the that are going on, um, we can reach a bigger audience, right? We are the national show. We are the largest Canadian show by a wide margin. There's a lot of people who would like to see what's going on. Yep. And we can even bring in, vert, like because we have the video wall and different things that we can do, uh, we can really bring in guests. So we're going to be doing more of that. So expect that in November. One of the reasons we didn't do it this year is because although we were back to normal in Toronto, obviously the new venue, but Steve all also a month ago started the first Edmonton sport car yes. memorabilia expo, uh, which my team and himself like were, were scrambling to do. And prior to that, we also had the Strongsville uh, sport card show, uh, which was super cool event. First time we've ever been a part of it. But all of that was compressed into one small period of time. Right. Uh, I, I remember when he decided it was again, like showing Steve willing to take risks and, and really pushing the envelope. You know, we had uh, we went to a show in Montreal in January, and that was the impetus for the idea. And then shortly after, uh, we were heading in March to uh, <laughs> or end of March, early early April to think. Now, I got a question because you just mentioned, you know, three or four shows and it doesn't seem like there was any indication given that your your team is thinking of slowing down. We are two days as of recording removed from the expo. Are you is there a break or are you constantly working on the next expo? Do you get a window where you can kind of just relax or no? In July, we'll have time. Myself and my team will each take some time, but we have like right now we're running an event for a doctor's conference. Some mm -hmm. of my teammates, uh, we're working on a very complicated event for Amazon Alexa, which will involve 25,000 virtual attendees. Wow. And uh, that happens in July. And then we've got August. We don't have anything, but 
I'm praying nothing. It's one of the right. few times in my life that I'm praying we don't get a show. <laughs> right? So we re- like it used to be that the show season was um, uh, honestly like September till call it April, May. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's really extended and with what we're doing virtually and, and because we've become such an industry leader, a lot of people come to us. Uh, we've been far busier than before, but I, I myself am taking two weeks off in July. I'm going to a cottage in Prince Edward County and I will not be bringing my computer. Well, well earned, well deserved. Uh, you know, for those of you who to take part in these expos or who have been, everything runs very smoothly, you know, uh, which is amazing. Anytime you get thousands of people in a single space and that's, that's owing to you and your team. Uh, it, it's it's fascinating to see what you do. Every time I see you, you've got something on the go. It's good to know that you're able to take these breaks. Uh, but I'm I'm curious. This is all coming, you know, sort of at the end of a pandemic where we've all been, uh, you know, depending on who you are, and ending or slowing down of a pandemic, and uh, we've all been sort of relegated to inside for for the past two years. Is this this busyness? Is this constant checking in on new events? related to that you know is it is it just people making up for lost time or do you foresee it being like this for the rest of eternity or at least until you're ready to retire well i hope it's like this till the time i'm ready to retire Mm. i hope we continuously have clients and and we have some really good core stable clients allstate is is a great client of ours steve is our our number one client i tell him that all the time yeah he's our best looking client he knows that (laughs) (laughs) he is man he's you know marathon runner triathlon runner he uh if, if he weren't listening to the last episode on youtube or watching on youtube check it out he's a handsome devil can't can't yeah, take that and, away from and him he, and he is, yeah as you say he's in great shape so uh, no he's, he's awesome we've got some really really good solid core clients and then we get new clients all the time our partnership with ebay uh, with Hopin uh really does does great stuff for us so uh, we're hoping to to grow actually and and for me i'll be able to take more time we'll just add more staff right so um, we happen to have amazing team leads, amazing staff members. You, you've gotten the chance to interact with them. I can't say enough great stuff. They, The reason the show feels so seamless when there are emergencies, they're great problem solvers, right? They're, as you know, with guests and oh, yeah. connecting guests with, with fans, sometimes stuff comes up for the guests. They can't arrive on time. Their flight got canceled. Something happens. Windows are so tight. Uh, and with the changes and with the pandemic coming out of it, we we had at least a few guests who who had to move and we had to move around and had to be creative. That's why you saw, I don't know, well, Kevin Stevens, for example, we didn't have a slot available when he was able to finally get in. Right. And so we just did the signings on the stage and that presented a few more problems, but we just activated the team to make sure it was a great experience for each of the guests. The best thing you can do well, I'll, I'll say it this way, actually. The worst thing you can do is prepare so much that you believe nothing is going to go wrong. Because, you know, we talk about as as much you can, you have to be prepared for things to to not go right. Uh, we talked last week about literally, and you were there as well a couple of years back, uh, the weather getting so bad in Toronto that the roof of the building blew off. I mean, that's not something that's in your agenda. Prepare for the roof blowing off of a hall. What What are you going to do to that? Were there any things like that? And you mentioned Kevin Stevens uh, arriving at a time when when there was no space. Any any uh, fires that you had to put out? Uh, uh, not not literal fires, or maybe uh, this this year that that maybe we we weren't privy to. Yeah, there's always continually little stuff, right? Internet problems, um, issues with locations. Um, you know, we had to, to tweak the stage seating. Um, things look different, obviously, on a floor plan versus when you're actually in the facility. So For sure. little things that came up, a lot of little things on the Friday. And, and our goal is if you didn't notice them, then we're doing our job. And if the 100%. attendees don't notice them, we're doing our job. And and the key thing is when anyone was late or something was happening, we let all of the fans know right away. Yeah, um, Communication is key. We try to communicate everything. We try to make sure that they know what's going on. Um, and for the most part, we just want to make sure, like those fans are paying good money to have mm-hmm. that experience with the athletes. So just want to make it a great experience. And sometimes it's the athlete, sometimes, you know, uh, it's us, but for the most part, they were awesome this year. 
Yeah, everything everything runs smooth. I mean, you know, it runs smoothly because you're there to keep it on course. And and as you, it's a good way to put it. If if no one notices the issues going on, then you're then you're doing a good job. And and you know, we've talked about you and what you do for the expo quite a bit, but I want to kind of draw our listeners attention to to this fact. Last week when we had Steve Menzi on, I asked him what his history with collecting was and he said non-existent essentially. Uh you when I saw you at the expo, Mikey, uh, I, we were talking about how busy you were and what you had to do. And you said, yeah, you know, I've got a lot on the go, but, uh, tomorrow is going to be my day to walk the show floor. And what I do really appreciate, not that it's necessary when you're running an expo, but I do appreciate the fact that you have an affinity towards these things that you do like collecting. So give us a little bit about your history with collecting. What is it you're looking for? What industries and maybe a couple pieces in your collection, uh, that, that you're particularly proud of. Yeah, I'll, I'll pull up probably like a couple things that I've in fact grabbed at the show or, or from mm-hmm. another show right before it. But um, so I was a collector when I was, you know, 11, 12, 13 to 14. Right. Uh, collected heavily, obviously saw the market crash, lived through that, saw my local card shop close. Like the only yeah. reason I stopped going to my local card shop is because it closed and they all right. disappeared. Right. Right. So I, I would have still collected. I, I loved uh, Garbage Pail Kids. Hmm. Love basketball back then. I really collected a ton of Ken Griffey Jr. I still have like a big personal collection of Ken Griffey Jr. stuff. Uh, a lot of his rookies and and then got into buying them again. You yeah. know, I graded a bunch of them, tried to get a Gem Min 10 and didn't get any. Bought some more <laughs> Raw 1989 <laughs> Try again. Try again, baby. Uh, try again. I remember when I like at $40 when I was 13, I was like all the money in the world I had. And I used that to buy, you know, the raw one. And I wish I'd bought a hundred more. Right. You, you look back to it. If only you knew. Yeah. Right. So I kept a lot of that stuff. I collected a bit of comics and things like that, too. Um, obviously phased out when I, I really discovered women and, uh, in a hard way. Uh, and then Unfortunately, came back I, I discovered women at one point, they didn't discover me. So I, I was left to my collecting. Yeah. Oh, believe me. I, I used all of my, that's uh that's why I discovered women and need to use all of my mental capacity mm. to try to get them to talk to me. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then again, like I started dabbling as soon as I started working, like I had actually come to the card show and bought a couple things prior to working with Steve. And then when I started working with Steve, obviously you're surrounded by it. And slowly but surely, uh, more and more, I was buying more and more things. I was more interested in what was happening. Breakers, boxes, packs. Like, I also had money now. It's a totally different ballgame. I have my own money, so I was able to spend on certain things that I really wanted. Um, So when the pandemic hit by that time i was already on ebay actively looking and like you if it was a chart you would see my purchases just go in a direct <laughs> line like that uh, as i became more comfortable and and now i have a pretty decent like you can even see right behind me are those those are all boxes full of graded cards there you go. Yeah, if you're if you're watching on YouTube, you can see there's a nice little display behind Mikey over there. There's some Star Wars stuff on there. You got some signed footballs, some boxes of cards. It's it's uh, it runs the gamut. Let me ask you this: If you're to take your entire collection and you're gonna split it dollar value between sports and comics, video games, pop culture, that sort of thing, uh, where does where does it go out percentage wise for each one? Well, I can tell you probably my most expensive thing that I own is the Gretzky PSA 7 that I oh, just wow. bought. So that, that's just the most thing. We just, and I made Steve split it with me because I, I didn't want, I was too scared of my wife to buy it alone. That's fantastic. Um, the OPG, that uh, one of the, the most OPG famous PSA cards 7. in the game these days. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a solid investment and I wanted it. Like, yeah. honestly, I just wanted it. Like, as Are you like, willing there, to share cards. how much you had to spend for it? Nope. No way, because God forbid she listens for whatever reason, (laughs) I'll be dead. But I think we got a good deal on it, right? Like, again, it's all it's all relative. But I, you know, it was money I could afford to spend and I wanted it really bad. And so um, as long as Steve was willing to split it with me, which I pressured him to doing, uh, we now own a beautiful, very sharp PSA 7. And it is a really good looking card. Uh, I scooped this up again. This one. It was a hundred bucks, not oh, nice. too expensive, but it's a, a an iconic card, something I wanted to own. It's a PSA. Is that LeBron 8. and LeBron and Kobe, Kobe. two thousand eight tops? Yes, it is. So, like again, not everything has to be super expensive. Um, and then above me, actually, if I tilt this up a little bit, oh yeah, you can see three fis- first issues, first prints uh, of different 
comic is books that invincible that really daredevil and what, what's the other it one is there? invincible the ultimate uh first appearance of miles morales Ooh. first print and the boys first print and the boys okay it's a little blurry so i couldn't tell but invincible hey this is this is completely out of left field if you're listening to this but if you have any interest in comic book tv shows or comic books in general invincible what what a fantastic it that's robert kirkman i think responsible yeah. for the, the walking dead as well it is awesome invincible is awesome and it's an awesome comic book it's a really really cool comic book it's a really really cool and it's an amazing amazon prime show both of those both, both the uh the boys too which is i've just watched the, the first three episodes of the boys uh now that i like yesterday i took off to to sort of Unwind a little bit, watch a little bit of senseless violence. Uh, yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> On TV, thankfully. We're not. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So again, like I, I and I and I love football. You know, we had Thurman Thomas come to the show. I rarely get autographs from these players anymore. I did get a bunch of Leafs uh, at one point to sign a stick for me, but uh, rarely get autographs. But when Thurman Thomas came in, I just waited until everyone else was done and then snuck in there at the end with my ticket and got him to sign a mini helmet um so stuff like that stuff that i'm really like i, I really into and as you said i've got my these actually i got all from venice beach i i specifically there's a store in venice that sells them they're all made of scrap metal and those I, are and the I star was, wars figurines yeah the big star yeah. wars metal figurines and oh, man it, they are so heavy i remember walking around venice with them <laughs> in my backpack and just sweating and i'm like this is totally worth it <laughs> uh it ain't heavy it's my passion uh, it's, yeah that's, exactly there's a of the song now you <laughs> exactly. talk about getting on stage to get something signed let's talk about you being on stage in a somewhat different capacity steve and yourself talk about uh changing the expos to make them more experiential and part of that is running the autograph pavilion which frameworth uh, uh did way back in 2018 we 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 don't we're not as heavily involved in that anymore uh uh that now being handled by i believe kojo and sports authentics uh fanatics for a while was involved in that too and but, molly it we bring and maybe yep yeah and, and that's the thing now it's really owned by the show and we invite different vendors to come in and, and obviously kojo and sports authentics are big parts of that but we sure. do have other players who come in as well yeah and who knows maybe someday frameworth will get back involved in that i know my dad's been talking about that and come uh on. you know I know. Honestly, it's, it's it's worth considering as as much as it was. Uh, it gave me a bunch of gray hairs. It was it was a lot of fun to do. But that's not the only way that you're involved. We talked about the Q and A in the November show. Uh, you and I had been talking prior to some of the Q and A's started. There was one planned for uh, uh, Shane Corson and Darcy Tucker. Uh, and, and, and you kind of came by the booth and you said, uh, Hey, wh what are you doing later today? And I said, well, I'm, I'm managing the booth, I assume. Uh, but I love talking to people. I, I love interviews. You know that I've got the podcast. So I ended up coming on stage to run uh, a couple of those Q and A's. Uh, this year wasn't quite the same, Mikey. You found yourself in charge of the Q and A's. How did that go? Is that something you have a lot of experience doing? Is it something you want to keep doing? Well, first, let me tell you how we got there. So it's sure. your own fault because you weren't there Sunday last year. And right. as you know, so if people don't know this, but I actually am Mikey's biggest fan on Instagram. I think everything <laughs> he does is hilarious. Like it's me, Thank you. It's, it's me posting in all the comments, loving everything he does. <laughs> um as for the talk so you i had invited you to do all the interviews last year and then on sunday um we had uh i had invited you to come back and do the rest of them and you weren't available so i had to do sunday. some quick i had to do some quick ones and steve's like oh you're good at this i'm like okay you're fine i see what you're doing here another <laughs> job on me. so thank this you year, but also i know what you're doing to me right, right? Now. Yeah, exactly yeah. And then the, the, this year coming in, we were unsure. And he said, I, I'd rather you just do it. You're already there. You can handle it. So I did do a bunch of them this year. Uh, it was really fun. I have a great time. And my team will tell you, I love to hear myself talk. Uh, yep. So getting me on stage is definitely something I have fun doing. I always get nervous beforehand, but then once I'm in it, I, I really everyone have a does. Good time. Everyone yeah. does. Yeah. I get nervous before recording podcasts and I'm yeah. at home, you know, like it's that's that's but I think that's the sign that you're 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 still ready and you're on your toes a little bit. Right. It's yeah. kind of necessary. You care. 
right? Like I care how it comes across. I care what happens. Like I'm writing notes. Uh, funny story. I was supposed to. I thought I was supposed to interview Bernie Perron, but then they sent me Ernie Witt. So I had oh. done 30 minutes of prep for Bernie Perron, and I oh, had like no. some great questions and really good stuff. And then Ernie <laughs> Witt came up on stage, and we had already prepped all the Bernie Perron like clips in the background. So I had to rush down and get that turned off and stuff. Um, wow. But you just that's, roll with that's it. That's literally a nightmare of mine. And, that, like, and I, I have bad dreams about that happening. It, 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 it happened. And honestly, I just, I went back into the memory bank and I watched a ton of Jays growing yeah. up. A ton of Jays. So I watched most of his career and, you know, we talked and he was wicked. The mm -hmm. better, the best part about like an interview is if you have a really good uh, interviewee. Yes. Him having experience on TV and being a coach, like he was a great speaker. That went really well. So embarrassed, apologized to him afterwards for for the mess up. But he was so gracious and cool about it. Um, I think my favorite interview this weekend, uh, either between Pete Mahovlich, who was, mm. he had me laughing before we got up. Like he oh, was amazing. He's a riot. Like he's really cool. I can just imagine what that guy was like as a player. He must have <laughs> been awesome. Yeah, <laughs> to, to be on a team with. And uh, and that's that's what's wicked, right? Like when you get to interview these guys and talk to them a little bit before you go on stage, you get a sense of them, a little bit of sense. So that was cool. And Brianne Jenner, yeah, uh, she was really cool, and she was ripped. I'm like, I better not ask the wrong question because if this girl hits me, I'm gonna be out cold. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, look, you're trying to make the Sport Card Expo more experiential. What better experience than to watch a full blown fight take place? I should have asked stage. her for. I should have asked her for an arm wrestle. She would have like she would have just slammed me through the table. Like that, her <laughs> arms were ripped, uh, and she was really cool too. She was really good. I, she was really gracious. I was a second late coming up because I was trying to eat lunch before, and yeah. then I had to do the. I'm gonna smile, but you have to tell me if there's anything in my yes. teeth before yeah, yeah, we yeah, go yeah, out yeah. there. And she was really cool. It was awesome, uh, and and the guests like the the guests were really cool. I had. You know, my, my fan, my fan group was uh, the 60 plus men who are sitting in the audience watching. They're like, you're really good. I'm like, listen, I need you to know that this means the world to me. The three of people you do not understand how much that means when, when you have the one or two people reaching <laughs> it was, out. It was wicked. It was awesome. It, it was the best feeling. And I, I and I had the best time. So uh, the, there's a lot of elements of the show that feel like work, work, work. That one feels like fun. And, and I and I look forward to, to doing it more and doing some more panels and things like that. You know, I have a list of influencers from the industry. I watch, you know, one of the things I do is I watch a ton of content about the industry. Right. What are the content producers saying? Um, what are they talking about? What's something that some of the drama in the industry, what's everyone looking forward? There's a ton of stuff going on in this industry right now, yeah. right? Like with the changing of licenses, with the massive investments that have happened, you know, just in the grading space alone, we've seen billions of dollars poured in. It's crazy. It's, it's massive and it's going to keep changing just like the Toronto Sport Card Memorabilia Expo is going to keep changing. We're running a little bit low on time, but I'm curious, Mikey, can you let us in a little bit and tell us what changes you have planned for the upcoming expo? Obviously, it happens twice a year. I believe it'll be November this 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 coming November. There'll be another one. Do you have anything specific in mind that you want to bring to the table or even if it's a pipe dream? Yeah, I think there's going to be, you're going to see more content influencers at the event. So you're going to see more of the people that you see on YouTube, some of your favorite right. guests. So that that's going to be coming into the show and onto the stage. The second part is um, we're going to try to do some more interactive fan experiences, right? Cool. Whether that's, you know, when we had Joe Montana come in and throw the football and things like that. So uh, we're going to work closely with our, our providers, of, like the agents of these people, and, and really try to do more of that because I think those moments, those core memories that people get created are, are wicked stuff, like more so than just the pictures and things like that. And, and then finally, uh, you're going to see more um, creative booths, bigger, more interactive uh, booths come into the show. And we're probably going to be in a different hall again because that's just the nature of the world right now. Sure. So we'll yeah. be interesting all over again. It changes again and again and again. Uh, but I know that you guys are going to make great decisions on wherever it is that we end up. Uh, you mentioned the Joe Montana thing. That was fantastic. That was when Frameworth was still involved. We did sort of a tandem signing with M Molly at MAB. Yeah. And we had him actually throwing a pass, taking a picture of, of you catching the pass. And that was one thing, you know, my dad's worked in the industry a long time 
And I never would have expected him to like fully take part in a signing or an event like that. But he's like, I got to catch this pass from Joe Montana. Are you kidding me? It was great. It was great. Cool, right? Like, and we set up that green carpet. That was one of the first things I was all about. I think um, the more we can do things like that, right? Like, just like you said, your dad, he deals with these guys all the time and he can get any autograph he ever really wanted. Right. But you cannot always get a chance to get a catch a ball from Joe Montana. Right. Right. It's, like that's something super cool. It is super cool. And and hopefully we can think of uh, some new creative things like that to do. I think that's important. Uh, let's leave off with one question, Mike. I'm always interested in things like this. You've walked the show a long time, several years. You've been involved in tons of different shows as well. Is there one item that you can think of that you've seen at the show that's stuck in your head as the coolest thing that you've seen or the most valuable, uh, something that that you think of uh, when when you're when you're not on the show floor? Uh, I think always, I'm always looking at, um, you know, for, for me, it's the, the vintage cards that always strike me. Uh, I love, you know, in one of the shows that I was at, I saw the Honus Wagner, like a T206 Honus Wagner. Really? Uh, yeah. And that was really, really cool. Uh, that, that really like, you know, and, and I've seen some cool and, and then also because of the show, I've seen some cool personal collections. So I saw, I've seen a couple really, really cool, like a really cool Luca, and I'm a big fan of Luca Doncic. So I saw yeah. a really cool two of three National Treasures Luca Patch Auto uh, with the D um, inside some guy's personal collection that we actually helped get it get it graded for him. And I would have never had that opportunity uh, to do so or been a part of that if I didn't know Steve. I, I like that a lot, is especially because you know so much of collecting is experiential collecting. That's the word of the day, it seems. But mm -hmm. not just the experience of catching a pass from Joe Montana, the experience of being in a space where you can be around so much of this valuable memorabilia, because I've always thought memorabilia is a way to sort of make physical the memories that we have about sports and experiences and things like that. And even just seeing those pieces of memorabilia are, are significant and important, even though you don't own them. Uh, it's mm -hmm. just cool to have witnessed it. Uh, Mikey, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you want to uh, take a well deserved break after the after the weekend at the Toronto Sport Card Memorabilia Expo. Uh, Mikey Singer, president, obviously, of MKEM. Is there anything else you want to put people on towards, uh, send people towards a website or anything like that? Uh, sportcardexpo.com. Check it out. We're always putting up new stuff. We're going to be working on the app this year to really get more interaction and, and again, stream some stuff into it. Do, do more for audience, making it more accessible for everyone to be a part of. Um, and then me and Steve break boxes. Every once in a while, you can go to the YouTube channel and see us. It's a random time at a random day at a random moment, but check out the YouTube channel uh, and you might see me and Steve break some boxes, which is pretty hilarious. Amazing. And the name of the YouTube channel, Sport Card Expo? Sport Card Expo. Perfect. There you go. Well, Mikey, thanks once again for joining us. I had an absolute blast. I love getting into the weeds and talking about collectibles. We have athletes and agents and this and that on the show all the time. And of course, I enjoy talking to them. But I think our listeners really do love to hear some insight from people like yourselves uh, who are not only uh, those facilitating these sorts of expos, but also our collectors yourself. So thank you so much for joining us. For Mikey Singer, president at MKEM, uh, myself, Mikey Aaronworth, host of the Sign Off Podcast. This is us signing off. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to the end of yet another episode. Thanks again so much for joining us. You can find videos of all of our episodes on YouTube by searching The Sign Off Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frameworth Sport or Instagram at Frameworth Sports. And hey, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter over at, at Retrograde Mikey, or you can always find me embarrassing myself over on Instagram at Aaronworth. The Sign Off is a proud product of Fadoo Productions and Sad Styles Productions, executive producers Mikey Aaronworth and Andrew Bascom. Until next week, this is Mikey Aaronworth, signing off. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!